Hello, everyone, and welcome to the In Squash podcast. Today is uh, episode 19, and today on the podcast we have Steve Bookley, uh, the event organizer, event manager for the recently completed uh, Grasshopper Cup in Zurich, Switzerland, where uh, we all uh, remember how uh, Rami Ashark uh, returned to form, decimating the field pretty much, and uh, defeating Mohamed El Sherbagi in the final uh, three love in that event. Uh, Steve was uh, was was great to chat to. He uh, took us through the beginnings of the uh, the Grasshopper Cup, how it got it uh, got its start, how it grew, and uh, how it came to uh, be uh, this year, which uh, uh, to me perhaps one of the uh, the tournaments of the year, uh, particularly given uh, the end result, which. Uh, we all love to see uh, with Rami uh, Shore returning to form, but the event itself uh, seemed to be to be very well uh, organized. The venue seemed to be great, and we talk about that, and uh, we talk about the the future of the event as well. So, uh, without further ado, Steve Buckley, ep- episode nineteen of the In Squash podcast. We're very happy to have on today uh, the organizer of the Grasshopper uh, Cup that just uh, was completed in Zurich, uh, uh, Switzerland. And it's um, fresh off uh, one of the best uh, events of the year, uh, in my opinion. Uh, Steve uh, Bookley, is it Bookley, Steve? <laughs> it's Bookley, yeah. Bookley, I, got, I should have Perfect. asked you that uh, earlier. <laughs> I had that in mind. But th- thank you so much for coming on to the podcast, Steve. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks. Hello. Yeah, great. Now, uh, first of all, I just want to say uh, congrats on, uh, like I said earlier, what was probably uh, one of the best events of the year. It really had uh, so much uh, going on. Uh, we had the return of uh, arguably the, the best player uh, of his generation, Rami Asher. Gregor Gaultier uh, came back uh, from injury. Some fantastic squash in that event. Uh, so congrats on that. Thank you very much. I'll pass it on to my organizing committee. I always have to say uh, I'm like a bit of the, the head of the organizing committee. That's correct. But I got a bunch of really great guys with me who are organizing the whole thing with me, you know, for the last seven years. And it's, and they're all very proud of their work. So I'm sure I'll pass it on to them. Any, do you want to drop any names? Oh, uh, well, all of them, they all know, uh, especially I was working together with Mark a lot of the time, Mark Meyer, very intensively for the last few years. And he's, he's you know, really created the Grasshopper Cup. And we've got Eve now in the boat, um, who takes care of all the um, public relations stuff, the marketing, the promotion and so on. And then we've got hopefully 10 people in, in total who run the Grasshopper Club. Uh, cup and um, I need every one of them if it's you know hotel or players you know it's Larissa it's Gotti it's um, Mirko and Jacqueline and Claudio Schurman who used to work for PSA um, who is the players relations person then Erich and also Dunja so these guys are really the people who run the Grasshopper Cup. Yeah uh, I mean I've never uh, run an event myself just uh, just small local club tournaments uh, here and there but uh, I do know people who've run uh, for example the Blue Nose uh, event that was in uh, Halifax Nova Scotia for a few years and uh, I just re- I mean so much like you said so many people have to be involved sponsors and to make an event as successful as the one that you have so well done uh, on that end 
Now, now that the dust has uh, settled a bit, though, uh, and you look back at what was uh, an incredible event, uh, how does it feel now uh, uh, at the end of the 2018 Grasshopper Cup? Oh, it's really, um, I was quite exhausted um, after the Grasshopper Cup. Um, because I also it was um, it was such a big success as you said and uh, uh, in many ways with the players and with the um, with the spectators with the whole surrounding everything was you know so good and all the also the sponsors enjoyed it very much and um, me too and uh, but but it took such a lot of energy out of me it sucked all the energy out and then I got back into my normal working schedule. I run a lawyer's office here in Zurich and a family, three children. So it was really not for the first time I've experienced that. Um, it really can get you down for a moment, you know, when everything is gone. But now I've been um, back on stage again and working all the stuff off, which was left open. And looking back, I must say, it's, it's really, it's a great feeling. And uh, um, we are very proud that we have done this and brought this so far. Uh, nobody would have thought that, you know, seven years ago, eight years ago, when we had this idea to restart the Grasshopper Cup, we we didn't really think of something like this. We maybe dreamt of something like this, but um, we we actually started off, you know, with a with a club championship. Uh, you know, it was a, the Grasshopper Cup 2012 right. it was a twenty-five thousand dollar tournament in our grasshopper club which has five traditional courts and and um and it grew out of that so um that's where we are now and nobody's quite sure where we are heading but we're all very happy at the moment well i just i have the list of winners from 2013 onwards it's a i believe daryl selby 2013 um yeah 2012 yeah uh amar shabana Followed by Gregory yeah. Gaultier, Marwan Shorbagi, Gaultier again. And then uh, this year, uh, to my surprise, uh, although never surprised when he wins, but uh, surprised that, that he made it uh, to the final, uh, uninjured, uh, Rami, uh, which was great to see. <laughs> yeah, uh, he, he actually said he wasn't surprised, which was really <laughs> laugh. <laughs> yeah. I think that was really a good one from him and... Uh, it was, it was a perfect tournament, you know, especially also because, because also Rami won, you know, for us, we had the absolute um, perfect match then in the final with uh, Mo El Shabaki playing his big ancestor, Rami, and, and uh, everything, you know, was lined up for that. And, and after Rami winning, uh, well, it's perfect. I mean, I also would have, I, I like seeing Mo play and uh, if he oh, would have yeah. won, it would have been great, but everything just worked out the way it did and we were very happy about that. Yeah, well, I mean, with with Rami back in the picture and Gregory, uh, hopefully uh, he's, he didn't seem to be 100%, but he definitely uh, played well in the early rounds uh, with these guys all back uh, healthy and seemingly they, uh, many of them were at the Grasshopper uh, Cup. Uh, as you could see, the, the end result was fantastic uh, squash, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Especially, um, and I read this also on Facebook, which um, really um, uh, I thought also um, confirmed what I thought. Um, it was The Friday evening was, for me, one of the best squash evenings I've ever seen or witnessed um, on squash TV or ever. Uh, these four matches we had, that was absolutely brilliant one was better than the other and um 
uh, also the other games on in the first round and then the semis and so were good, but the quarters were incredible. Yeah, me. from from round one onwards, it was a, it was great squash. So uh, that's a testament mm-hmm. to uh, to the competitive to the game itself, isn't it? Uh, we've got a great game. Absolutely, <laughs> you and me and a lot of other people, most probably all the people who are listening to your podcast, are absolute squash lovers, and oh, yeah. uh, I think it is a. It's, it is a game you can fall in love with, and um, we know that all over the world we have people who think squash and act squash, and uh, and squash is you know so central in their life. It's really fascinating, and it's a great game. It's really great. I love it. Absolutely. Well, uh, so do you, I noticed uh, you you play a bit. Obviously, uh, you had the opportunity there. I, I saw a few pictures on Facebook. Uh, you're digging out a uh, ball out of the back corner against uh, Mohamed Al Sherbagi. How how how'd it go with Mohamed? Yeah, well, <laughs> he gave me a run. All the guys give me a run, but they really treat me well as tournament director. <laughs> yeah, I remember. That's um, one of the perks, uh, isn't it? Uh, I guess you get to hit with a few of these guys. Yeah, that makes it so special for us. You know, all all of us from the organizing committee, we can. We can line up with the sponsors and we have a hit with these top players on Thursday afternoon and it's really very special and, and um, it's a privilege to be on court with guys like um, Moel Shabagi or, or Rami or um, Armour Shabana was also a big experience. Greg sent me all over <laughs> the court. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he, uh, uh, I mean, out of all of them, uh, I mean... Obviously, Rami's incredible, but Greg is uh, for a guy his age to be to play the game that that he still plays, the dynamic style that he has is uh, it's amazing to watch. Yeah, uh, it is. He really can. Also, he's I think for me the guy who really can chop other people in the first rounds. He's so like a general. He's he has so such a lot of power and, and precision that he really it doesn't give certain other players a chance and uh, I don't know how he does it um, but it's really fascinating. Absolutely. Now now one of the uh, initiatives for the 2018 event uh, uh, I noticed is that there was a new venue. Uh, what was your thinking behind uh, the new venue and ultimately did it turn out the way you thought it would? Yeah, we, we had to change um, the dates. We usually had the Grasshopper Cup in April, May, and then suddenly because of the Commonwealth Games, we had to change to uh, March, which meant that we wouldn't be able to play at the same venue as uh, the last few years because it's just too, too cold in there. I don't, didn't want to you know, put a tournament up with 12 or 14 degrees in the hall, and so that wouldn't have worked out very well. Right. So we looked around and we found this new venue, which is right next to a train station and also quite near, very near actually to the um, airport. And we have the, uh, the hotel right next, next to it, the Marriott. And it was really perfect. And that, the whole venue was really, uh, we, were, we were very lucky, you know, getting that. And uh, we have already booked it for the next two years. We have a contract for three years. And um, it's turned out brilliant, brilliantly. You know, we have we have much more space. We have um, you know more space for eating and lounges. We have much more spaces for the sponsors. They enjoy it very much. They have like a huge balcony um, facing the front wall, and you know they can watch all the games through the front wall and and have their wine and beers and, and all their 
dinner <laughs> watching these games and um, and talking to one another and on the other side we have now um, we have now all these stands for over nearly 600 people every evening in there oh, so fantastic. Um, that, that really sounds, fantastic from what I could gather uh, on squash TV and the interviews that Joey was doing uh, uh, most of the players and uh, definitely the spectators were really impressed with the uh, with the venue in terms of its uh, I guess what uh, what you had to offer uh, the audience, and also in terms of convenience. Yeah. So what I always wanted to do or create was actually a tournament for us, for you, and for me. You know, for the squash players. And um, I, I have travelled the world um, and seen a lot of squash. I started off, I think, 1995. I went to the World Championships and. In Cyprus and then I went to the British Open I've been to New York to San Francisco and so and um, uh, I've, I've learned a lot I think you know by watching all these tournaments and um, for me I, I actually wanted to create a tournament where we would have a just a great atmosphere because I know all these squash enthusiasts they, they want to cheer they want to you know they want to have a good time they want to be loud and I knew that the players love that you know they build on that oh, yeah. you can really see that they really love it and um, like Tarek's 2014 in a, in a in an interview he said he said <laughs> I quote um, this is most probably the best audience in the world something like that he said and that was really something which um, which uh, made me very happy and I've been building on this and um, people are coming from all over Europe now you know from England, from Romania, Germany, France, Italy. So you've got quite a hub there, don't you? Uh, in terms yeah. of location, we're in the middle of, of Europe, so and people travel very quickly to Zurich. And Zurich, you know, we have all these train stations and, and airport very near, and it's very convenient. It's very secure in Switzerland. Things seem to work, and uh, that makes it very convenient. And that's why we have such a lot of people who really are loud and I can tell you it's much louder when you're there than if you watch it on Scorch TV because we <laughs> didn't have the big kit you know on this um, tournament so there are no microphones in the audience as they are in the World Series tournament so it was really loud in there and wow. um, yeah, well, I guess that you was could say that having to make the those changes uh, the change of venue turned out to be a blessing in disguise I guess Absolutely. You know, we had, it's always a risk every year, you know, <laughs> we are changing things and risking more and putting more money into the tournament as the sponsors are at least. And um, you never know if it's going to work out. You really, you don't know. But um, we have been very lucky after, through the last few years. It's, it's, it's gotten better and better, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if it was an initiative uh, this year because I didn't notice it uh, in previous years, but uh, the Legends event was, uh, was great to see as well. Um, how did this idea come about? Did you sort of piggyback off of the, the Legends uh, series that they have ongoing or is this something uh, you came up with on your own? Yeah, actually, I did. it was my idea. I can say that because um, it was... Uh, one issue we have, you know, on Saturday, on Sunday, the semi-finals and final, these are not enough matches to really fill a whole day. And, um, you know, these people come from so far away and they want to have a good squash time. They don't want to see three quarters of an hour of squash and then go home. Right. So we needed more. And I didn't want to do some kind of 
something else on a squash court like I think there are many possibilities. Maybe we could try. We could try with dancing or something like that, but uh, or with music. But I thought, you know, we would like to see more squash. So in the past few years, I've brought in many of the best women squash players um, from Egypt and from Europe. We had Laura here and Camille and, and Noor and so. And that was really good. But this year, I just wanted to change something, something new, and then. This idea struck me that I just, you know, these are the heroes of, of my time. And oh, your time, yeah, I my guess. time. Huh? Absolutely. <laughs> and yeah. I just, I just love to see David Palmer play. I always, I always thought those that. matches with Peter Nickel and uh, Jonathan Power, Thierry Linku, uh, and all of those guys back in the day. I mean, they they were uh, they were fantastic. Uh, fantastic. That was a fantastic era as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, if I look at my audience, the audience we have here in Zurich, um, from the 600 people we, are, we have every evening, I would say more than half are around our age, maybe 40, maybe 61. Uh, many are men. Many have experienced exactly the great games, you know, Will Strop against Palmer and Peter Nicol against Jonathan Power and, and all that stuff. So when I put up these names for the Legends tournament, we really could feel that there is a big response. And people said, oh, God, we have to go and have to go and see these guys play again. And I thought it was also very interesting. I don't. Did you see the live stream they had from the? Yeah, games? I did. I, wa I watched. Uh, oh, it was it was fantastic. I thought Simon Park was brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> such a fun guy. Also. Yeah, he, he didn't show up the fittest, but he certainly, when he was playing, he, he played well. <laughs> He's a tough guy, tough, and yeah, uh, yeah. and I think uh, what was also impressive for the for the viewers was to see that these guys they still play brilliant squash, oh, incredible squash. But, but after, after their games, we had the big boys come, the young boys coming in, you know, and then you could see they were, there's a difference. So um, like for us, you know, as 50-year-old players, we just get slower. We are heavier usually. I don't know what you but I got heavier. Oh, yeah. And the movements... My reaction, uh, uh, I'm not as quick uh, reacting to the ball as I used to be. Yeah, that's you something. See, and you could see that too. I noticed even with... Uh, I thought Peter and David, they came and they looked like they could jump onto the PSA tour in terms of, you know, they, they looked very fit, but their, mm -hmm. their reactions just seemed to be a, a step behind uh, what, they know, what they were like uh, a few years back. Yeah, spot on. That's what I also thought. But that's absolutely normal and, and they're yeah. incredible players and they would beat any other player in that age group with ease. Oh, for um, sure, yeah. No, it was great. We were, to watch. I mean, Peter and David still look like they could compete in the PSA uh, yeah. at a certain level for sure. Sure. And, uh, yeah, we, we were a bit unlucky. We had um, Peter Marshall um, actually lined up, yeah. um, but he, he got a pneumonia um, shortly before. Oh, no. Oh, so he yeah. couldn't play. But I would have loved to see him play, you know, with a double handed um, technique. Yeah. Uh, Lee Beachill should have played, but he wasn't quite sure, you know, about his hip. So we thought, you know, we'll put in Bianchetti, Davide, who um, had a big rivalry with Peter Nicol. Yeah, he was Peter's uh, a bit of a bogey player for Peter, wasn't he? In, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Simon, well, then, lucky. Yeah, si and Simon just showed he's, he's still a brilliant uh, brilliant squash player. He just didn't, uh, didn't have the fitness to, 
to finish it, finish the match. Yeah. <laughs> I just wrote to me a few minutes ago and said he, he would really like to come back. I would really love to have him also because um, and maybe he would work even, you know, even more on his fitness to give the other guys even a tougher time. I don't know. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, well, it, it, that, that was really great to watch. Now, now you did mention, uh, you mentioned just a, a few minutes ago about the women's uh, event and that you'd had uh, the women uh, a few years back, I noticed that. Is there any, uh, any part of you that would like to maybe push it a little further and maybe have a, a men's and women event, women's event simultaneously? Yeah, uh, I would. I would. Uh, I think that's my aim now for 2019. That we're working on that, and a lot of people ask exactly that question. And I think um, it is very important that we get women's squash also into our tournament. An official PSA tournament would be the best. Yeah. Um, but um, one also has to think, you know, also maybe take in consideration that uh, all. All, you know, the, the guys from the committee, we all work oh, <laughs> on yeah. a regular job. So, um, and we have a lot of work to do for the Grasshopper Cup, which is growing every year and so on. And if we have to organize parallel um, a women's event, um, that's going to be more work. And it's I'm going to work on it. It's double the work, yeah. And, um, and I must say, if you put on a a World Series event or a Platinum event, as it's now called, for the women at Parallel, that would be incredible, but it would also mean far too much work for us as non-professional organizers. Right. And, right. Um, so we maybe could stage a 35,000 or a 50,000 women's event. Uh, parallel, maybe in a different club with a glass court with, in Uster, there's a possibility we're speaking to the guys there or I will speak to them about the possibility. Um, it's, it's all about you know, yeah. bringing the best for squash. It's, it's not easy, but I, w I would love to have it. That's yeah. true. Well, definitely. I mean, with the success that you've been having, I guess it's something that, uh, that obviously would come to mind given how successful, successful you've been when you've decided to try something new. Yes, yeah. But I, on the other hand, I also I concentrated on what the market is asking for. You know, I, I try to look for my audience. And um, there, um, one must cons also consider it that um, I wouldn't have the same response, I, I think, if I would have organized a 50,000 dollar tournament for women right. uh, with regarding the audience for instance so um, I have to balance everything out and that's the difficult thing about the whole thing you know if I if I have a women's tournament and let them play just in the afternoon or in the morning because people who come from France or Germany or even from Switzerland to watch the games they usually come to to see Rami and Greg and if I put Greg at two o'clock in the afternoon on Friday he won't have any um, people who watch him or not a lot and that's not what I want. Right, right. So well, I guess uh, you've, you've got time to uh, to figure things out uh, between now and 2019 and, and beyond so uh, it's just something to think about I guess isn't it? Is it is yeah I will. There's some hard thinking to do there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but whatever you do, uh, I mean, this year was fantastic. So just keep uh, building on that. Thank you, Jerry. We will. Yeah. 
Now, obviously, uh, Switzerland has a, a great player itself, and Nicholas Mueller. He's a, uh, to me, he's a tremendous uh, talent, uh, and he just seems to be sort of outside looking in. Uh, it's an ultra competitive uh, thing at that at that level. Uh, not that you're, you know, a high level uh, coach or anything, but uh, or observer. I, I guess you observe the game. But uh, what is it that do you think he needs to do to get to that next level? Because he he seems to me to have uh, everything. It's all there to me. Yeah. 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 As you said, I'm not his coach or, or um, I think he knows exactly what he has to do. He's always known. And I, he's a professional sports player. I'm not, um, I cannot say I've spoken to other people, naturally other players about this phenomenon. And, but uh, I, I cannot tell. He had a lot of, um, a lot of a bad time with injuries, I know. Yeah. And then he had a lot of uh, bad draws where he always played the number one player, I remember, uh, in the tournaments. But I, I actually, regarding your question right now, it's interesting because I, I do sense a change with him. At the moment, things are changing because I think it's about 27, 28. So these are the deciding years to come. And if he wants to be a top 10 player, he has to go on now, like his best friend, Simon. Right. And um, he has to maybe just change his approach to the game or to the training. And I think he has done it. Because did you see the game in, I think it was New York, where he played Karim and won 3-2? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, he's definitely he's shown, to me, he's always shown that ability to beat the top players, uh, almost all of them. Uh, just putting it together uh, consistently. That's what... Absolutely, yeah. It's just, uh, on the fitness side, you usually knew that, as when you watched him, at least a few years ago, you knew he'll play the first set like a Swiss rocket, you know? That's <laughs> that's where his name comes from. Uh, he, well, that, that's his nickname, that. is it? The Swiss rocket? Yes, yeah. Okay. We have and, the Colombian uh, cannonball and the Swiss rocket. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you you always came out fuming and and really could hit the ball in every nick from everywhere and so but in the second and third set just people would grind him down and then it was just finished you could see that he was fading but um that was very impressive what he put on in in new york where you could see this guy he can really fight and one must also say in switzerland at the grasshopper cup he played brilliant games he he beat ryan koskelly here three yeah. two a few year or two ago that was also a great game and he sh and and he was playing with the audience i think it's always very important that he can uh, interact with the audience and um that helps him a lot yeah absolutely now, um, yeah, we just, uh, it'd be great to see him uh, make that make that next step uh, more consistently. consistently. And like you said, uh, with his friend Simon, uh, Simon Rosner doing so well, maybe that'll give him the sort of the, the motivation to do whatever he has to do to make that, take that next step. Yeah, we really hope so. And also for, for our tournament, naturally, we got a lot of media coverage this year again, uh, you know, uh, from the major newspapers, we have TV reports and we're all very happy, but you can see how important it is 
that you have a Swiss player in the draw and who is a good player. Yeah. And if he would get into the top 10, if he would start winning tournaments somewhere, we would get much more coverage and squash could, would get much more coverage. Yeah. And that's why we really hope that he will take this last step because then I can maybe even um, enlarge the stands in, in this new venue. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I guess, like you said, he has to get a few wins so that the draws are more in his favor. Otherwise, uh, in these big events, he's going to end up either in the first round or second round facing uh, one of the top uh, five or ten players. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the truth. Let's hope so. I'm really hoping so. Fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah. Now, uh, um, obviously, you worked very closely with the squash TV and I noticed they, they had some great analytics uh, at the grasshopper cup that were quite eye opening and in particular uh, court coverage, which uh, sort of, they, they juxtaposed that with tennis court coverage and uh, the difference was, uh, you know, it was incredible. Uh, did you, uh, did you work with the squash TV or have any say in terms of uh, what they, the way they approached uh, this event in their, in terms of their coverage? Uh, well, uh, there is a story behind that, actually. Just about a week before the Grasshopper Cup, we received a message from Marcos, who runs this um, firm who does all this, um, this uh, has the whole concept of measuring uh, all the stuff which is going on on the court. Yeah. And um, Marcos uh, asked if we could if we could have him at the Grasshopper Cup. They had already tried a few things in Sweden, and they would really like to uh, go on at our event and imp imp imply it on, on, on our event. And uh, it was on, on short schedule then, so we had we, we said yes, okay, come in. Um, and he put in, he wired up all our courts. And uh, it took a lot of time. It was not easy for us uh, in the first moment because um, we didn't know quite what he was doing. <laughs> but then uh, in the end, when he had all his cameras up and stuff like that, uh, what he could show us was, was very impressive. And I don't think he's a part of Squash TV. And he's, he's the guy, Marcus, he has brilliant ideas and he's been working in different fields. Uh, music. Is he a squash player himself or...? No, no, not at all. But um, he's, a, he's, he's a, like a genius guy, I would say. Who I think he he came into a squash game once, looked around, said, "Ah, no, you can't do that. Why don't you do?" You know, and then he came in with ideas and said, "No, no, I, I would do it like this." You know, you have to understand. And um, and then, as far as I heard, he he did it from his own point of view, and he didn't ask you know, for money or anything. He just said, look, I'm going to put this up and I'm going to run it and I'm going to show you what I can do out of it. And then you can say if you like it or not. Right. So uh, it's really, no, it's, I think it's a good move because especially these videos you have seen also now going around of the build-up and this good morning video with the music that makes our sport so attractive to other people. No, absolutely. I thought I thought Pete, the uh, squash TV coverage of this event and the, the more recent events where they also had the heart rate monitor, uh, uh, which for me, I mean, when I I do a little bit of training, probably like you do, and you, you get your heart rate up to 180 consistently, which is what I try to do. And those guys are out there playing for a couple of minutes in a rally with their heart rates up to 170 and 180. So, uh, yeah, yeah, like Simon Rosen, I think he played. 
about 50 minutes on the 180. So unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, it's very impressive what interactive squash the firm is called, what they are doing and um, oh, yeah. looking forward to the future. Um, I'm sure there are good things coming there. Now, I also noticed, um, I mean, over the years, we've all noticed uh, Roger Federer uh, has played squash or plays squash or likes squash. And then there's a picture there of the Wawrinka with a squash racket. Mm -hmm. And I noticed you, I think you mentioned to someone that oh, uh, you're try you tried to get uh, Federer to, uh, to come in uh, maybe maybe to watch a few matches. Uh, it was, is there any truth to that? And did you uh, get any bites uh, from him or Wawrinka? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, Wawrinka uh, not. Um, I tried over his sponsor. Um, his sponsor is actually also a sponsor of the Grasshopper Football Club. Awesome. Grasshopper is a big club which has different sections like rowing and, and tennis and um, land hockey and so on and squash. But I got no response from him. Maybe I'll get one now. We are growing, so we, got, we are getting more important. Maybe I'll get a response then. But with Roger, he's also a member of the Grasshopper Club of the tennis section. And okay. um, he has his own court here, so ah. he doesn't live here. I think he lives in Dubai. Yeah, and somewhere he, he lives uh, just down the road from me. So. Oh, really? Oh, okay. So I'm, in, I'm near Dubai. So. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody loves him. I think he's really a great guy. And um, we are very proud of him in Switzerland. Oh, of course. We all love and, Roger. Everybody loves Roger, yeah. and uh, I've written to him every year a letter, you know, handwritten, and I have his address here, and um, I haven't gotten a response, but my children have been in ski school with his children. Oh. So at the last ski race we were, um, when, the, uh, when they were telling what the results were, all the parents gathered, and I was um, standing next to his wife, to Roger's wife and his mother and so and um, actually, I could have asked her maybe, but in Switzerland, we, I didn't want to press anybody no. regarding Grasshopper Club or Cup and, and Roger. But the story behind it actually is that the letters arrived and he has read them because we know that uh, in Wimbledon, Nick Matthew um, met Roger. Uh, have you heard of that story? Uh, no, no. No, yeah, they, they met. Uh, I think uh, Nick Matthew was attending the semi-finals and Roger was there. So um, they got the two together, you know, hi, Roger Federer, look, this is Nick Matthew, Nick Matthew, Roger Federer, and so on. So, and I think one of the first things that uh, Roger Federer said to Nick Matthew was, hey, great, hey, are you playing at the Grasshopper Cup in Zurich? Will I oh, see right. you there? Yeah. yeah. So that was, that was for me the sign that he did get the letters that he knows what's going on. Yeah. But on the other hand, you and I, we know these guys, everybody wants something from oh, them, yeah. everybody. Yeah. So I, I think one day he'll just walk in, you know. Yeah. I, I think yeah. he'll well, if he's around and the event's uh, going on, definitely he'll probably uh, just walk in and catch, uh, catch some great squash. Yeah. It's, it's now, Steve, uh, we're running out of time here. We only have, a, uh, I think, less than a minute uh, to go. But... Um, uh, I just had one one last thing I want to ask. I noticed a great picture of you and Rami, and I, and I think it might might have been your two children uh, at the end of the Grasshopper Cup this year. Are they uh, are your kids into squash? And uh, <laughs> they, uh, how yeah, did they enjoy meeting Rami. Yeah, they enjoyed it. He's, he's a lovely guy with children, so and so always funny around him. Um, yeah, they really, they were very happy to meet all the players, inclusive 
of Remy. Um, I have three children and none of them are in squash. Um, ben is a football player and a tennis player and Mola is more into uni hockey, we call it, I think, over here. Maybe one day. It's, it's okay. Um, they oh, can yeah. see what I love and maybe they'll approach it one day, but I don't want to press anybody, you know. No, you have to I'm fall the same in love way. I've got two kids and... Uh, I've tried both girls and uh, I've tried, uh, they've been to see me play a few times and I, occasionally they'll, they'll ask me to go out and play with them or play with their friends, but uh, it's not something that uh, I tried to drill into them uh, uh, like, you, like yourself. Yeah, uh, I like playing with, you know, um, one day I will. I have a brother who plays, Philip. Uh, we like to play for many years we've played and uh, that's okay with me. Let's see where we go from here. Great, Steve. Well, uh, it was a pleasure uh, chatting with you today, and uh, thanks for bearing with the, the early technical uh, issues. <laughs> and uh, I just want to say again, what a great job you did with uh, you and your team did with the uh, Grasshopper Cup this year. And we look forward to 2019. And uh, if you manage to make it to the Super Series final in Dubai, I don't know if you if that's on your agenda. Let's have a hit. Oh, yeah, great. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me on your podcast. And uh, when I'm in Dubai, I'll give you a call. And when you're in Zurich, you have to call me. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Steve, thank you so okay. much. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, thank you so much, Steve, for, uh, for coming on to the podcast. That was great. And I really do hope that we have the opportunity to uh, not only to meet in uh, Dubai, uh, but also to uh, have a hit. Uh, a couple of 50-plus uh, uh, player. We can have our own little uh, Masters uh, competition while you're here, Steve. Uh, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Now, uh, before we uh, finish up, I just want to go through uh, the Commonwealth Games results here. So let me... So we've got the uh, singles draws for the men's. Okay, so Nick Matthew is through. Vikram uh, Malhotra is through. Navizwan Adnan is through. Kuskali is through. Pili is through. Lewis Walters is through. Grayson Wilstrup. And then we have the upset of the day, obviously, uh, Jamaican Chris Binney, although I'm sure a few people probably uh, would have uh, identified that as a potential upset for, at the beginning of the event. Uh, Saurav probably... Uh, didn't like that draw at all. It could have uh, could have had a better first round, uh, an easier first round than that. And as it turned out, uh, Chris pulled the upset. Uh, congrats to him and congrats to Jamaica. Joel Mackin is through. Rex Hedrick, Alan Klein, Daryl Selby, and Greg Loban. Uh, an enticing uh, uh, second round match there. That should be interesting. And then Paul Cole got through uh, and he'll face Ivan Yun. Uh, of Malaysia. So uh, some interesting third round matches there. And uh, on the women's side, Laura Massaro and Amanda Landers-Murphy will face off in round three. Aifa Asman, okay, who uh, pulled off an upset beating uh, Lisa Aiken of Scotland in uh, round two. Uh, Tessney Evans is through over a fairly, would have been a fairly tough uh, first round match given the the rest of the competitors in the draw. Uh, Donna Urquhart, uh, Christine Nunn will face off next. Nikki Todd of Canada, way to go Canada. Congratulations, she's up against a uh, in-form Sarah Jane Perry in round three. Uh, Nicole David and Samantha Cornett. Samantha recently uh, appeared on the podcast and uh, she got through round one and this should be uh, an interesting match uh, 
uh, Samantha's pumped for this one, uh, playing her idol, and uh, we're all Canadians are cheering uh, her on for a good result here in round three against a living legend, uh, Nicole David. And then uh, Dipka Karthik and Allison Waters are to play in round three. Joshna Chinapa, Tamika Saxby, and uh, Sivasangari Supramaniam got through. And she'll play Joelle King in round three. So uh, some also some interesting matches uh, there in round three on the women's side. So Commonwealth Games is shaping up nicely. And uh, enjoy those matches, everyone. Thanks for listening to uh, the In Squash podcast. And uh, looking forward to our next episode, which will be uh, dropping in a few days. And I hope you'll, you'll enjoy that one. It'll be, a, it'll be a different from uh, the rest of our episodes. We're going to have a, a historian of the game on, on the Squash podcast. So uh, that'll be fun. Okay. So anyways, uh, take care and enjoy your squash. Have a great day. Bye-bye.